Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. And on this edition, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's win at Molyneux. A 2-0 win for the Gunners puts us now five points clear at the top of the Premier League table going into the World Cup break. And if you think about where we were at last season, if you think about what our aspirations were for this season, most of our aspirations anyway, you could not have envisaged this being the case at the point where we break up for the World Cup. You just couldn't see it coming. And that's why you have to give this Arsenal team and this Arsenal manager immense credit for finding themselves in this situation or working themselves into this situation because that's what they've done. They haven't just found themselves there. They've worked hard. They've improved. They've developed. They've brought more quality on board. Mikel Arteta as a manager is improving all the time. He's getting better and better in terms of his in-game management. Everything is moving in the right direction. And this is such an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. So enjoy it. Lap it up. We've got, what, five, six weeks now with no games. So we'll be sitting top of the pile at least (laughs) throughout all of that time. Uh, So make sure you enjoy it. We've been, uh, in a lot of people's eyes, the banter club for years. People have taken the mick out of us. People have struggled, um, you know, sort of being on the receiving end of of sort of jokes from our friends and family members. And now we're in a great position. And listen, let me be clear. I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to win the league. I'm not. I'm still not saying it. I'm not committing. I'm starting to believe a little tiny bit privately that it could be possible. Yeah, look, naturally, you do feel like, you know, when it, sort of works out like this. And when things are going this well, you do naturally have those feelings. But, you know, if you were asking me to bet with my head rather than my heart, then I still say that winning the league is going to be a really, really difficult task. And and I wouldn't make us favourites. But that's me. Okay, that's me. If people want to get carried away and excited and, you know, really want to kind of get on the hype train, that's your prerogative. It's up to you. Enjoy it. You know, enjoy the ride because we've been through some really difficult times over the years. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not discouraging people who feel that way or who are on the hype train or who are getting uh, a little bit excited, but just make sure that you temper that with what could happen in the second part of the season. The other thing as well, because I don't want to start by, um, you know, sort of shitting on what Arsenal have done or, or suggesting that, where Arsenal are at is not somewhere that we should be proud of and it's not something that we should be gloating about and it's not something that we should be enjoying at this moment in time. But what I will say is this, 
I was listening to the radio on the way home. So I was working today. I was down at Sutton United uh, against Bradford. Dreadful game of football. Dreadful journey there. Dreadful journey back. It was pretty much a really shit day for me. Um, apart from, obviously, Arsenal then putting on a, a display at Wolves in that second half and getting all three points and then kind of giving my day some meaning and some feeling. Um, but look, I was listening to the radio on the way home. I was listening to the build-up to the game as I was driving to my dad. So I went and watched the game at my dad's house on my way back from work. I sat there for a bit, hence the delay in the podcast. We watched the game. We enjoyed it. We talked a little bit about it. And then, obviously, I set off to come home to do this. But when I was in the in the car and I was driving, both during the build-up and during the post-match reaction, the line was being banded about. Arsenal are top of the Christmas tree. Arsenal are the team at the top of the tree this this Christmas. Arsenal are the team sitting pretty right at the top of the league going into Christmas. No team, or, or sorry, 10 of the last 13 teams that have been top at Christmas have gone on to win the Premier League. That's what's being said. Not by us necessarily, but by the wider media. Approach that shit with caution and I'll tell you why because normally by Christmas we've played what 20 21 games roughly there or thereabouts give or take one or two we've only played 14 this time around the season is not stopping at the same point it would at Christmas and the only reason we're guaranteed to be top at Christmas is of course because the World Cup comes into play and everything stops for a while right so what I'm trying to say to you is Yes, let them say it. Let the media say it. Let them talk highly of Arsenal. Let them, um, you know, let them enjoy it. Let them, you know, make a big deal out of it. But we as Arsenal fans need to take stock of where we're actually at. And as I say, enjoy it. It's great. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. But just bear in mind, if we do go on to fail to win the Premier League, which is probably the most likely outcome even now, please don't come at me at the end of the season and say, oh, but we were top at Christmas. Because we're only top at Christmas because of the circumstances, because of the way this season has panned out as a consequence of the World Cup. And you've got to remember that. We could easily have gone on and lost three of our next six games, two of our next six games, and ended up in a position whereby in a normal season, by Christmas, we wouldn't be top. So this is not a you know, when people say Arsenal are top at Christmas and 10 of the last 13 teams that did that have, you know, gone on to win the league, they're pu they're putting pressure on us. They're putting pressure on us. They're trying to put additional pressure on us. And, and why did the British media do that? You know, everyone knows it. The British media, the general rule for the British media is to build something up so high that it gets to a point where when you chop it down, the harder the fall and the bigger the story and the bigger the issue and the more you can make out of it. So all I'm saying is let them speak, let them talk, let them go on and on and on about how Arsenal are top of the pile, how Arsenal are five points clear of Manchester City. That is absolutely fine. But just remember that when we're talking about Arsenal being top at Christmas, we're talking actually in actual fact about Arsenal being top after 14 games. And in a normal season, where we don't have a ridiculous World Cup slap bang in the middle of it. That looks very different. So 
I'm not saying as a, again, let me repeat it one last time. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. I'm not saying don't embrace it. I'm not saying don't gloat about it. Don't brag about it to your friends. All I'm saying is just having the back of your mind where we're actually at in terms of the season rather than where, you know, the season is being portrayed to be at this stage because, of course, of the world uh, of the World Cup break. Let's say a few hellos and then we'll dive into some additional topics. Uh, big hello to Jimmy, to Shayla, uh, to Sun, to Derek, um, to Richard, uh, to Ronaldo, Mora, to Lee Lochran, uh, to Kin, to Wesbird, to Madgelife, to Dodgy Bob, to Wesbird, to Nav, to Richie, to Naomi, who says... Uh, Evening, I listen on Apple Podcasts on my daily commutes for the past year. Oh, thank you so much. But it's nice to be finally part of the live chat crew. What's everyone wearing to the title winning parade? That's exactly what I'm talking about, Naomi. Uh, but welcome to the live chat. Good to see you. Uh, big hello to everybody else as well. There's so many of you. I'm not going to get through every single name, but we will do uh, some questions and stuff a little bit later on in the program. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow night and we'll do a phone in. Uh, at 7 p.m. Sunday night. So if you're interested in that, mark it in your diaries. But yeah, I just wanted to put that message across right at the top of the show, okay? Because I'm buzzing, I'm excited, I'm enjoying it. I was just literally on the phone to a mate of mine as I was driving back who asked me, am I starting to believe? And I said, there's a tiny little part of me that is starting to believe. Because if there isn't that tiny little part of you that has hope, that has belief, then what the hell is the point? You know, what? what is the point? What is the point in following a football club? Where's the magic in it? So, yeah, look, there is a tiny part of me that feels like this could be a possibility. But as Dave Atkinson says, this season, it's going to be more like if you're top at February as opposed to if you're top at Christmas. And I just think that although the media narrative is is the way that it is at this moment in time, I think we as fans have a responsibility to understand where we're actually at and make sure that we stay grounded so that we don't have unnecessary meltdowns so that we don't um you know so that we don't end up in a position where things can turn toxic when in actual fact all that would be happening as painful and as difficult as it might be to take at that moment would be a leveling out and that's really really important uh sports genius thank you so so much for your very kind donation harry can we win the league let's go can we win the league we could. Still not convinced it's as likely as some, though. But it, we could. Of course we could. Thank you uh, so, so much for your kind donation. Uh, son of I answers, preach Harry, spitting absolute facts, bro. The media can't wait to see us slip, trip, fall and spill our drink. Meanwhile, we stride past smiling, sipping our drink with two hands. Love it. Love it. Um, look, OK, let's um, let's get into it. So, yeah, as I say, for me, not a great day on a personal level. Why do you want to know that? Well, because only when you know how not great my day was, do you then understand how much Arsenal lifted me this evening? And listen, I, I love my job, so I'm not complaining about my job. And, you know, I do love covering uh, lower league football as well. It's it's brilliant. And when Arsenal you know, uh, not playing as as they were today until the evening and I wasn't making the trip to Molyneux, then I want to get out to the games. I want to get out and do my thing and, and really enjoyed it. I just had one of those days where... So basically, from where I live, right, Sutton United, where I went, is a 33-mile trip. 
33 miles. It's not a long way, really. Not distance-wise, anyway. On the way there, it took me two hours and 20 minutes in the car to drive 33 miles. London has gone insane. And on the way back, it took me two hours and 45 minutes to do the same journey, 33 miles. And I just about got back to my dad's house for kickoff. So I had to listen to sort of the build up in the on the radio. And, you know, like you're kind of like you're annoyed because you've been stuck in traffic. You're you're annoyed. You're pissed off. You're you're driving that a little bit faster than you should be. You're trying to think of what the best route is to kind of save yourself a couple of minutes that will get you in front of the TV ahead of the game. It was it was one of those where like you don't actually have that much time to think about the game and process the game and build up to it as you would when you sit there calmly and, you know, you watch the build up on TV. So for me, it was like, oh, and and I'm sort of driving back and I'm thinking the last thing I need now is for Arsenal not to win. And then for all those people that can't wait to shit on us, basically, to come out and say Arsenal had a chance to go five points clear at the top of the league in their bottle jobs. They didn't do it. They failed. So to to shut all those people up when you're having a day like, oh, beautiful. It's, It's just, it's so important to my mood. Like, I just feel a million times better um, off the back of Arsenal getting that result. So, um, yeah, look, uh, Wesbert says, uh, poor Harry, uh, sounds like a nightmare. Look, there's people that had much worse days than me. I appreciate that. Okay. So I'm not trying, I'm not doing it for sympathy. I'm just trying to, as I said, I'm trying to explain to you guys or trying to convey to you guys just how much kind of my mood was here. And by the end of this match, it was sky high. And that's what football can do for us, right? It's amazing. Uh, thank you so much to Shayla um, for your very, very kind super chat donation. Thank you so, so much. Really, really do appreciate it. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying the channel. Hope you're enjoying the mighty Arsenal as well. Okay, look, let's um, let's dive into some of those topics. So where are we? We're five points clear. Sounds good, doesn't it? I'll say it again. Arsenal are five points clear at the top of the Premier League. But what's significant here is that with Arsenal, you know, looking to from the start of the season anyway, consolidate Champions League football. That would have been or or achieve Champions League football. And then I always say the next step is to consolidate that and do that regularly. So at the outset, that would have been Arsenal's goal and Arsenal's ambition, right? So even even though we're five points clear at the top of the league and that's amazing and it's beautiful and it's brilliant, just just park that to one side for a minute, right? Just move it out of the way and think about where we are in the wider picture, okay? Think about where we are in terms of the the landscape of the Premier League right now, okay? So we are eight clear of Spurs, whom we have a game in hand over. We are 14 clear of United, who have a game in hand over us. They, of course, play at Fulham tomorrow. If they win that, it would be 11. But if they lost, it would remain 14. If they drew, it would be 13. We're 15 points clear of Liverpool, who have played the same amount of games as us. And we are 16 points clear of Chelsea. Now, that is bigger and more significant to me than the fact that our league position is number one currently. Because what we have done in this first 14 games of the season is we have put ourselves in a position where once we come back from the World Cup, we have an incredible head start in the chase for Champions League football. And if we get to the business end of the season and we're still where we are and, 
you know, we're still doing really well and, you know, we're still flying and, and still able to maintain the level of consistency we've shown in these first 14 games, then we can start talking about the title. Then we can start talking about a potential push right till the very end. But right now, the objective is still, for me, Champions League qualification. And what we've done is put ourselves in an almighty strong position to achieve that. What we've also done, and what Mikel Arteta's done, by being able to get this level of consistency out of the team and be able to open up this gap, he is now able to go into the boardroom during the World Cup or ahead of the January window and say, guys, look, I know we haven't achieved it yet. Nothing is achieved in November. Arsenal aren't even guaranteed to finish in the Champions League position at this stage. It's still so, so early. But what I've done at the start of the season is set us up. I've set us up in a way, you know, with the help of my players who have improved and, and with the help of the players that you backed me in bringing in in the summer, we have set ourselves up in a position whereby we are on track and on course to achieve our objective that we set at the start of the campaign and possibly more. If you want that more, Mr. Cronkey, open the checkbook. Let's go out there and bring players in. Let's go out there and strengthen further. This is the best time to strike. If you're a player on the continent who Arsenal have expressed an interest in in the past, right? And I'm, when I say in the past, I'm talking the last three or four years. You'd have looked at Arsenal and gone, it's a big bloody football club. Big fan base, great history, but they're not in the Champions League. And they're not competing for the biggest trophies domestically or uh, in Europe. But now they look like they're moving towards that. Now they look like they've got a plan, a structure, a strategy. Now they look like they're moving in the right direction. Actually, it's far less of a risk for me in my career if I go there. And once you start convincing players that this is the place to be, and look, Mikel Arteta and Edu have always done a good job of convincing players. But when you're top of the league, that knock, as they say, the Arsenal knock, it's louder, it's stronger, it's even harder to resist. So if we want to push on, this is the time to do it. Strike while the iron's hot. That's what I would say. <sighs> I, I, I just feel so good tonight. I just feel so good tonight. Look, we're going to analyse and we're going to do some tactical stuff and some deep dives, um, you know, over the course of the next few days. And then we're going to shift our attention to the World Cup for a little bit as well. Uh, throughout the tournament, we'll be sort of focusing on the Arsenal players and players that maybe Arsenal link with as well, uh, which is going to be quite fun. But tonight is an instant reaction. Tomorrow, as I say, on that phone in, I'll share some statistics with you uh, guys at the start to kind of set the scene and set the tone as to where we're at and we can pull those apart together. But obviously the goals tonight came from Martin Odegaard and I'm delighted. Is it Des Lynham, the guy that's called Des Lynham in the chat that normally is in here slagging off Martin Odegaard right from the outset on every show after every game in which he fails to hit the back of the net. I wonder where he is tonight. Um, if it is you, by the way, if it's not you, I'm sorry, but is it? Let me know, guys. Is it Des Lynham in the chat that's normally, um, that's normally poking fun at Martin Odegaard? I mean, look, tonight we saw a captain's performance. We saw a player who worked incredibly hard for the team. We saw a player who instructed the team, who urged them to to calm down when we needed it, who made sure that they did move the ball that little bit quicker 
when we needed to do so, who led by example, who held the huddles before the game and then popped up with two goals. And and let's be honest, look, up until the first goal, I, and I, I was sitting there watching it, as I say, with my dad and my brothers. And one of the things we kept saying was, or one of my brothers kept saying was, it's not working tonight. It's not happening. We just can't find that breakthrough tonight. We just can't, you know, we just can't find any kind of rhythm. We just can't create enough chances. And and all the while, Wolves are looking like on the break, they could cause us some harm and some damage. And I kept saying that tonight is one of those games where you need patience. And what I mean by that is you need to keep doing the things that you believe to be right. You need to keep doing them to a high level. And you need to trust that if you continue to do that, the opportunity will present itself. But when those opportunities come along, you then have to be big enough, bold enough, good enough, mentally tough and strong enough to take those chances. And we did that this evening. The The kind of build up to the game, we heard that there were no new injuries. And actually the team that Mikel Arteta picked, the same team, obviously, that went to Stamford Bridge and won just last weekend was undoubtedly the best team. I don't think there was any debate about that. I don't think there would have been a single Arsenal fan on the globe that looked at that and went, ah, I would have played this guy instead. I think that, um, you know, I think that it, it was spot on the selection. And then, of course, we go into the game and we have this problem with Granit Xhaka really on in the game. And between then and when he actually came off, I think you could see that he wasn't quite the racist. And then again, Mikel Arteta probably had a bit of a decision to make. And and the reason I say this, look, for me, I'd have gone to Fabio Vieira straight away because the, the role that Granit Xhaka plays now is the role of an eight. It is the role of someone who does tuck in and help defensively, but who predominantly uh, looks to kind of get into those half spaces and make things happen. And so Fabio Vieira is certainly the best suited to that. My worry, my concern, maybe the second thought I had was, but does that leave Thomas Partey too exposed? But I think when you've got Zinchenko playing at left back, who can step into midfield and support Partey in the way he does, actually, that's less of an issue. And again, um, you know, people were sort of tweeting at the time when Granit Xhaka was receiving that treatment. Get Oneni on, get Lekonga on, get this guy on, get that guy on. For me, it was it, it should have only been Vieira and it was Vieira. And actually, what we saw from Fabio Vieira was a really, really good, strong performance. And, you know, we've watched him quite a bit recently and and myself included. A lot of people have been quite critical of his performances. I've looked at him and gone, feels like he's trying too hard. Feels like he's snatching at things. Feels like he is just not quite at the level that we need. But again, when he came on and sort of after 10, 15 minutes of him sort of finding his feet. And again, we were having the conversation among ourselves in the room. You know, what do we make of Fabio Vieira? Was he the right person to bring on in this instance, in this circumstance? And I turned around to my brother and I said, judge Fabio Vieira now. Judge him in this team. Judge him in a midfield whereby he is surrounded by Thomas Partey. Martin Odegaard has Zinchenko tucking in behind him. Has Martinelli on the outside of him. Has Gabby Jesus making runs in behind uh, and in advance of him. That's when you judge Fabio Vieira. Because if you think about it, he played at Brentford earlier on in the season with the first team and he was superb. And he played the majority of the game tonight again with the first team. And again, I thought he was superb. 
when you put him with El Nenny and you put him with Laconga and and Enketia up front and Reese Nelson on one flank and Marquinhos on the other, you're not going to get the best out of Fabio Vieira. So as long as when he does come into the first team, he shows me that he's at that level. I'm going to try not to going forward read into those performances with the second string too much because I think over the last few weeks I have kind of allowed myself to get sucked into that to get sucked into that narrative and I don't want to because as I say when he plays with the big boys he's proven that he can do it someone said in the chat Nigel I think it was that he needs to bulk up a little bit I totally agree with that he is a little bit lightweight and I think when you see him in the flesh and when you see him in particular close up I think you really do notice that um, but it is what it is. You know, he's got incredible technical ability, which is ultimately why he was signed. And, um, you know, and then we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of if he can develop that physical side of his game, which, you know, I mean, he's a good player now, but it, it would just take him to a new level, wouldn't it? If he could, um, if he could sort of develop on that side of things as well. So, yeah, really good performance from Fabio Vieira. The team showed patience. Um, you know, this is a team that scored in every game this season. So when a team is scoring in every game, you shouldn't sit there and worry and stress about whether or not you need to panic and change things sort of 45, 50, 55 minutes into a game. You should trust in your ability to to produce that moment of quality and take an opportunity that comes along. And we, we got that. Uh, Gabriel Jesus had a couple of chances, didn't he, in the first half? Um, where it's just not happening for him in front of goal at the moment. But again, this was another debate that we had among ourselves while watching the game. Look at the contribution. Look at the all-round contribution. Look at the energy levels. Look at the commitment levels. And, you know, and if you do that, and if you sort of really do appreciate that for what it is, I'm not saying that you excuse the fact that a £50 million striker is not scoring goals right now. I think that's, what, 10, 11 appearances uh, now without a goal. But what you do is... You give him that leeway. You give him that benefit of the doubt and you lay off of him because of all the other things he brings to the table. And, and you know, all of that is still so clear and obvious to see that it drives me mental when people just choose to overlook it, you know, because it, it's there for everybody to see. And if you want to ignore that or if you don't include that, in an assessment or in an argument or in a debate, then for me, you're not being fair. And, uh, and you know, these are our players. We should be rooting for them. We should be backing them wherever we can. We should back them until we can't anymore. And I, we're nowhere near that point with Gabby Jesus. He's a fantastic player. He's having an impressive impact on the team. Were we a little bit vulnerable in the counter-attack today? I thought we, in the first half at times, we were a little bit slow to the ball. We were a little bit slow in the way we moved the ball. We certainly picked that up in the second half. And I think the two boys, Odegaard and Ramsdale, in their post-match interview on Sky alluded to that as well and, and said that that was an instruction Mikel had given at the break was to just move the ball quicker with a little bit of zip, with a little bit of tempo. Those of you who listen to this podcast regularly will have heard me say that so much. I'm a massive believer in that football isn't that complicated all of the time. It can be. Um but, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be that complicated. And sometimes something as subtle but as effective as just moving the ball that a little bit quicker can make all the difference. It really, really can. So, yeah, huge win. Big win. Um, you know, and there would have been pressure on Arsenal tonight, of course. 
because it's but it's it's a good type of pressure right so it's the type of pressure whereby you know for put it this way right tonight if we had lost the game we'd have still gone into uh, we'd have still gone top of the table at christmas at christmas in quote marks and you know that would have been a, a great achievement and that would have been something that we could all be very proud of and it would have been something that shows everybody and shines a light on the fact that Arsenal have improved dramatically in the past 18 12 months so that's really um that that's that's really important to note right so whatever happened tonight that would have been the case but you don't want to have any sort of negativity when you go into a break like the one we've got now some will argue that it's it disrupts our momentum and it's a bad thing and i think maybe you're right there but we can't do anything about that, right? It's not in our hands. So we've got to make sure that we do the absolute maximum. And the absolute maximum was to go out there today and win and open up that five-point lead. Because, yeah, we'd have been top regardless. But to open up a five-point gap is significant and it's a statement. That's what it is. It's a statement. Yeah, Wolves are bottom of the league. Totally get all that. But there's still a side with players in it that can hurt you. There's still a side that... Um, you know, have the ability to catch you out on the break. And and you and, and no game in this division is easy. And that's what I think people forget. Nothing is a foregone conclusion. We see so many shocks all the time. Just kind of circling back to Martin Odegaard a minute, because people obviously um, have sort of asked the question as to whether or not he should probably score more goals and contribute more goals than he currently does or, or currently did anyway. Or sorry, previously did. I can't even speak tonight. It's bloody 11 o'clock at night. I'm absolutely shattered. I'm doing this purely on buzz. So I apologize for all the mistakes. As I said, I will do a more uh, deep uh, analysis of this game over the next sort of 24, 48 hours. But yeah, uh, this is a bit of instant reaction. But just sort of looking back at last season, he scored seven goals in the Premier League in total with 14 games in this time around. And he's got six. So he's picked it up. Martinelli's picked it up. Saka's picked it up. Um, you know, Jesus has added something. He's already scored more goals than Lacazette, despite going on this run of 10 without a goal. So it just goes to show you that the whole level was raised. You know, we've got the best defence in the Premier League right now, along with um, with Newcastle United, who also kept the clean sheet today. And uh, yeah, just... It, it's. Oh, we are in a much better place. We're in a really good place. There's so much to, to enjoy. There's so much to be excited about. Should we get carried away? I don't think so. So don't allow yourself to fall into that trap because you will only be disappointed, I think. Um, so just embrace it for what it is. Enjoy it. Martin Odegaard, the star of the show. Um, I'll quickly run through the team as we normally do on, on one of these post-match shows. Ramsdale, I thought, had a good game. Um, the shithousery that we saw from Ramsdale kind of winding up the Wolves fans behind the goal in the second half was really something. If you hadn't noticed that in real time, go back and check it out. It's hilarious. When they put a shot wide, he'd kind of turn around and stick his tongue out at them. He was he was all over it. But Aaron Ramsdale's spoken before, hasn't he, about how that helps him. Ben White, again, very, very good. Um, got into some really good attacking positions as well as providing solid defensive cover. William Saliba wasn't great tonight. You have to say that. You have to be honest. Um, you know, he had a bit of an off night. Unfortunately, it was at a place 
where we could get away with it. And it was in a, a side that were performing pretty well overall. And so it didn't really um, end up being the end of the world. Look, the amount of times that Saliba's got Gabriel out of trouble this season by going across to his position and sweeping up behind him um, means that, you know, Gabriel probably owed him a few and he, he sort of paid him back a couple of times this evening. There's no question about that. Gabriel was immense. For me, he was Arsenal's best defender tonight. I thought it was fantastic. And if Martin Odegaard hadn't scored two goals, then he'd have been my best player on the night as well. He was strong. He was powerful. He was imperious. He won the ball back on numerous occasions. He's prevented Adama Traore squirming away uh, on numerous occasions. And we all know that that's not an easy thing to do, given his physical attributes. So, yeah, Gabriel, splendid performance from him. Zinchenko was good as well, but I thought he tired towards the end of the game and he just became a little bit sloppy at 2-0. I remember him getting caught on the ball in midfield and that really frustrated me because he's better than that and he's more experienced than that. And you can only think that fatigue kicked in and he was struggling as a result. Moving into midfield, Partey wasn't as able, I didn't think, tonight to get on the ball and really pull the strings. But I think that was largely down to Wolves identifying that that's a real busy corridor in terms of how Arsenal progressed the ball and doing quite a good job of shutting it out. And so, yeah, um, not a bad performance from Thomas Partey, but I just didn't think he was as influential as he can be. That doesn't mean he was bad, as I say. Just want to stress that point. Um, moving on to uh, Martin Odegaard. A couple of goals, brilliant performance all round. You know, for me, the man of the match. And as I say, it was close because had he not got the goals, I'd have given it to Gabriel. That's for sure. But Martin Odegaard, having made that telling contribution and um, and putting us into a place where, you know, we, we can go into this break five points clear and we can enjoy that. And we prove to ourselves as much as anybody else that when these pressured games come along, because people would argue, like I was looking at this game going into it and thinking, yeah, we absolutely have to win. And then Man City get beat and you go, well, no, actually, we don't have to win. A draw actually would open up a three-point gap over them. Actually, if we did win, though, and it'd be a bit of a bonus, then we'd we'd open up this five-point lead. So you almost use what happened at Manchester City to kind of take the pressure off yourselves. But that that doesn't make you special. If you use what happened at Manchester City to justify why you don't need to win, then you won't win, then you won't push on because the elite and winning mentality is one whereby you want to win and expect to win and put pressure on yourselves to win every single time you take to the pitch. And that's really, really important. And and we passed that test tonight, obviously. Um, Fabio Vieira talked about him already. Really good getting into half spaces, breaking lines, Really good at carrying the ball and obviously played a massive part in the build-up to um, to Arsenal's first goal uh, with that lovely running behind. Lovely reverse ball, by the way, from Jesus. But then he just looks up Fabio Vieira. He doesn't snatch at it. He doesn't aimlessly just smash the ball across the penalty area. Puts it into an area where he can see there's a couple of Arsenal players queuing up. And that's another thing that you've noticed differently this season, isn't it? That players are much more willing to make those runs from midfield into the box. And there we go. Um, then taking it to the forward line, Saka was good, but not at his best. Martinelli was good, I thought, but not at his best. Although he also made a big contribution to that first goal with some really 
good sort of dribbling and carrying of the ball in the build-up to that. And then Jesus, who I thought was superb, but obviously uh, not at the um, at the level that we know he can be because he didn't score a goal. But as I say, that shouldn't be the only thing that we judge his performances on. So Arsenal remain top of the Premier League. Arsenal are five points clear of Manchester City. The World Cup is just around the corner. And so there is no football from an Arsenal perspective anyway for a little while. We don't play again until Boxing Day when Arsenal take on West Ham United at Emirates. Just a heads up, it is a night game. I think it's eight o'clock. So if you have to let your families down on Boxing Day, do it from now. The more notice you give them, um, you know, the better. Uh, the, the the more time they have to process it. I, I don't even know if I've told the wife, actually, that I'm not going to be here on Boxing Day evening. Oh, dear. Um, I better drop that one. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's a, it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan. It's a great time to be an Arsenal fan. Enjoy it. Um, kick back, watch the World Cup, relax. Um, as I said, we are going to do a, a couple more shows on the Arsenal before we sort of break off for the World Cup. We're still going to keep producing podcasts we're still going to keep pumping up daily content, but we're going to focus it on the World Cup, on obviously the Arsenal players at the World Cup and the wider stories from the tournament. And I'll be bringing some mates on from various different things throughout that month or so uh, to kind of aid the show. And, and hopefully you guys will stick with me. Hopefully you guys will keep listening, keep downloading uh, because it really, really does help. Um, you know, and I know that if Arsenal are not playing, you probably think, what the hell am I coming here for? But if you can support those World Cup shows by tuning in, leaving a like, leaving a comment, downloading them on your podcast app, then obviously that helps keep the lights on here uh, at Simu HQ. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Listen, we'll do a phone in tomorrow rather than doing a, a little sort of mini half-assed uh, Q&A now. We'll do the phone in tomorrow, 7 p.m. Sunday night. Join me right here and I'll get um, as many of you on as possible. I'll get through as many of your calls as I possibly can. It'd be great to hear from some of you to understand where you think this Arsenal team are at and how far you think it can go. Make sure you join me for that. Make sure you leave a like on this video if you're watching us on YouTube. Let's try and get it up to 150. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, what are you waiting for? Do it and uh, I'll catch you all tomorrow. Phone in show 7 p.m. Sunday night live on the Chronicles of Aguda YouTube channel. We are top of the league. Say we are top of the league. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.